Champaign, Illinois, this is the Jumping the Rail podcast with your hosts, Mark Redmond and Mike Nartolinas. And welcome to episode two of the Jumping the Rail podcast. This is Mark Redman from Champaign, Illinois, the home of Tony Khan, as I was told to mention by my co-host, my friend and tag team partner, the first official president of the Rio Rogers fan club, Mr. Mike Nargelinas. Narge, how's it going, buddy? I am doing fantastic. How are you, sir? Yes, the hometown of Tony Khan, the greatest mind and professional now, wait a wrestling. Now, hang on. He's still new. So it was. I love you, Tony. So what a three days it was this weekend, Narge. We got the return we've been waiting for after so many years. Samoa Joe brought the Muscle Buster back. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of the returns. <laughs> um, what a weekend! I Man. mean, just full. There was so much. We have. I don't know how we're going to fit it into ninety minutes, but I bet. Our producer will keep us on track. I hope so. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. I mean, we'll uh, should we just go right to the elephant in the room, Narge? Let's get right. Let's get right down to business. So, Chicago, Illinois, at the United Center, Friday, AEW Rampage. We got CM Punk back after seven years away. You know what time it is? What time is it, Narge? It's clobbering time. <laughs> oh. I'll be here all night, folks. You will be here. But uh, but no, it was it was really cool to see. I had to go back and watch it again the next day because we both were at the same place, but we weren't anywhere near a TV where we could actually hear the audio. No, but we were gathered around our six-inch iPhone, um, fanboying out like like you know everybody else did in Chicago. Right. It it was incredible. It may be. I think Tony Schiavone said it was the greatest moment in pro wrestling history. He's said that a lot though. He he has. It was. It will go down in the books as maybe one of the most memorable things of all time, though. I actually, my wife knows a gentleman that was at the show live. Yeah. And said he's been to concerts. He's been to wrestling shows. He said the incredible reaction that evening, he will never forget. A lot of energy. uh, Just off the roof. I mean, we're talking off the charts. He said it'll never be duplicated. Which leads me to my first question. Shoot. I just want to get into a question real quick while we're, we're throwing things around here. Okay. Pro Wrestling Live. Mark, what, what's the best moment you've ever saw? Uh, probably. Are you asking been there or just seen on TV? Been there live. Been there. Been there live. It doesn't have to be something that was just like, you know, for you, what meant the most? Well, most of the stuff I've been to is independent shows here and there, but I've gone to the occasional WWE event when they've been around. But when I was living up north, I went with a friend of mine, a friend of the show, Zach Wessel. We went to the Monday Night Raw right before WrestleMania 23, which was the uh, Shawn Michaels, John Cena main event. Taker and Batista. Nice. So the main event of the show I went to was Michaels and Cena against Taker and Batista, which, awesome. <laughs> it was my first time ever seeing The Undertaker, which was great. And that uh, the finish of the match, Michaels super kicked Cena when he was doing his five-knuckle shuffle gimmick. I remember that. Yeah. And 
man, it was the Allstate Arena, you know, the Rosemont Horizon, the U old timers, but the roof just came off of it. No, in that Mike place, the, the, it, it, the reverberation, I think, is the right word. You guys are the music guys, not me. Oh, yeah. But, but the sound in there is incredible. Yeah. I've heard wrestlers say before that that building is their favorite to wrestle in because of the sound. I believe it. The way it's constructed, I could see that. For me, and I told my wife earlier, when she was telling her friend, I said, did you tell him we were at WrestleMania 32? And she's like, yeah. I said, Dallas, Texas, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Literally before he came out, it was Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels, and they got pops. Right. But then Stone Cold Steve, I, I, honest to God, on my children, felt the building move. I will never forget that feeling. Um, if that's what doing drugs is like, kids, that I, I understand. <laughs> I, Hang on, I wouldn't know because I've never done it, but I, I get it. And it so was just... You're uh, no Rob Van Dam? Uh, no, no, sir. No Rob Van Dam. <laughs> but just an incredible moment. The folks that were in Chicago, they'll never forget it. We'll never forget it. Great weekend. What an awesome way to start a weekend jam-packed a professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, between Punk coming back, that raises so many questions about what's going to go forward with AEW. We'll get into a little bit of that. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, thanks, Tony. (laughs) Such a... The best. That's the good con, Mark. (laughs) Yes, yes. We've learned that now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but uh, Rampage wasn't the only thing this weekend, though. Saturday, we have SummerSlam. On a Saturday? On a Saturday, which, you know, I think that's... Was that because the Raiders had a game on Sunday? It might have been. I know it was something unusual. Something uh, weird, yeah. I don't mind you, a Saturday. Are you people watch the Raiders? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not since Madden left. The Bloom is still on the Rose in Vegas, so I'm sure they got some excitement there. But, There's uh, that. But no, uh, on top of Punk, we got a couple more big returns on Saturday. We did. Um, the first, I wasn't as excited about as maybe other people, but Becky Lynch, the man. Man, yeah. She showed back up. Originally, I didn't like the position she was put in. Right. New things have come to light. Yeah. Um, and I think we talked before the show. I think this is maybe, maybe what they did is the best way for her to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about this on Sunday just because I had I couldn't be home to watch it live. I had to watch it Sunday afternoon. And as I was watching, I was telling you what I was seeing. And when she came out, you told me what you thought they should do. Yes. And I told you, I agree to an extent, but I had a different uh, opinion. What was it, What was your original thought? So my original thought was, why would they bring back this massive baby face to beat the other massive baby face who literally won everybody over at WrestleMania? I mean, everybody loves Bianca. Oh, yeah. They included Carmella in the match, but it was an afterthought. So why not make it a triple threat, three-way, and let Becky beat Carmella? So then she retains that baby face status. Mm-hmm. But new things have come to light since that thought. That's right. See, now my idea was I thought you didn't need Carmella there. She was just a spot filler at that point. What I thought they could have done was they could have done what they did, announced Sasha Banks is not going to be here, crowd boos or reacts accordingly, and then have Becky's music hit. Big pop, which happened. You know, crowd erupted when Becky came out. They don't have to have a match. They could do the exact same match they had between the two of them, and it would work. 
just the exact same way, but without having Carmelo there to kind of confuse people. No, and I agree. Um, after we discussed it, mm-hmm. I agreed. And I think mm-hmm. I threw it to you earlier that they could have done the female version of Ultimate Warrior, Honky Tonk Man, SummerSlam right. 88, right. where Bianca said, all right, you know, my opponent can't make it, open challenge. I think that may only work if she's a heel, though. It could. It, had the match went longer, I think two baby faces going at it could have worked. Yeah. Uh, but that's something, if, like, say it was Charlotte, and she would have said, my opponent's not here, I'll take on anybody. Because, you know, she's the queen. She's the best wrestler, female wrestler in the company. So she can be cocky and say, I can beat anybody. Then have Becky come out. Big yeah. pop. I see you know. Bianca as the the working women's wrestler though. That oh, kind of yeah. I won't I won't turn down a fight. I'm here. I'm here for the fans. And with them going the heel route, which is the rumor with mm-hmm. Becky Lynch, yep, yep. that it could have worked. Um, I now, like I told you, I understand why they went with the squash. It sounds if if folks listening don't know, it sounds like they're leading with Becky Lynch is going to go full blown heel going forward. Um, which should be interesting. It's been a while since Becky's played a solid, true heel. Um, but I think I think it'll work. We talked. I think you've got thoughts on this. I do. Uh, Becky, as a heel, can do very much what Steve Austin did as a babyface. She doesn't have to change anything about her character, her moves, her promo style. She can do everything, but just aim it in a different direction, and she'll get over as a heel. Oh, yeah. You you change a couple of words in your dialogue as the man, mm-hmm. you you can make a run of it. Yeah. And there are plenty of options out there for her. They want Bianca to be the baby. And yeah. Bianca is so likable. The smile lights up a room. I love Bianca. Bianca Belair is one of my favorite, just favorite female wrestlers in the entire world right now. Yeah. And that's a feud I want to see. I want to see Sasha get back, though. I really think yeah. we've got three. At some point, Bailey's coming back. It just oh, yeah, they're they're gonna turn the corner. So why do they call Becky Lynch the man? It's a Ric Flair shot because Ric Flair used to always say, "To be the man, you got to beat the man." And when she woo hit the button, Mark. there it is, there it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so during her feud with Charlotte, when she first turned heel, she would say she was the man, and Charlotte had to beat her. I got you. Okay, so this so, is just an old throwback thing that yeah. happened. And so Plan now that's words. her nickname? That's her nickname, is The Man. Wow, so, okay. So there was another big return at SummerSlam, but we're going to move on, and we're going to cover that here in a, in a little bit when we get to our SummerSlam recap. But right now, we are going to move on to our Calling Spots segment. And Marco, what is our question this week? All right, and this week we'll let Narge answer first. Okay. And the question of the week, Calling Spots. Who on the AEW roster is the most underutilized, and how would you correct it? So, in my opinion, there are a couple of underutilized individuals on this roster. Number one for me, one of my absolute favorites, the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara of the Inner Circle. Okay. In-ring work, incredible. Promo work, incredible. The man has had nine matches in 2021. That's it. He has a 6-3 and three record. Mm-hmm. Nine matches. He was an integral part of the MJF-Jericho feud. Oh, yeah. 
Why is he not getting more time in the ring? He's got the look. He's got the moves. Sammy is somebody you could build a whole nother division around. They've got oh, no. the TNT title. They've got the heavyweight title. Where is that? Where's that? Where's that? There's, there's, there could be another championship that he would be involved in. Right. And I really think it's a travesty that he's only had nine matches. And I had to look back that he was suspended last year. Right. He had some issues. That was 2020. 2021, nine matches. We're three quarters of the way through the year. Did any of his uh, suspension, because maybe the COVID thing shut down promotions at all, lean him into this year for a period of time or not? No, I don't think so. He no. was uh, he had to do sensitivity training for something that happened He'd, a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, okay. we'll clue friends in. He'd made a comment about Sasha Banks and what it was. And, and off the cuff, he had said he would rape Sasha Banks. Oh, I, it was not vibes. good. It, yeah. was not a, it was not a good comment, and he admitted it. He apologized. Um, he actually just got engaged to his girlfriend of eight years. So it was something even Sasha had said she, she understood. Yeah, she she's very forgiving that way. It was so. a play on words. Right. He did the sensitivity training. He Paid was without pay for yeah. 90 days, something yeah. like that. But this was 2020. Here we are in 2021. He's in one of the hottest groups in AEW, hottest feuds in AEW. And the man's only wrestled nine times. Let me ask you this. Do you think he needs to be distanced from the inner circle to get over? Uh, I No, I mean, as the second in command, he's got a lot. I think there could have been more tag matches at some point. I do think at some point the inner circle is going to break off because Jake Hager is another guy that I would mention is underutilized. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he is in this group. A lot of these groups, FTR, I mean, I could go on and on. Right. There's too many factions, yep. which I'm a faction guy. I like gang warfare. Right. There's too many, and people are afterthoughts. I think it's almost Tony says they're on screen, so they're getting time. Now, folks want to see in-ring action. So you, you mentioned he's only had nine total matches. That's it. What, just for the naivety here, how many matches would a guy have on average in a year if they were being utilized properly. Is it 12 or is it 40 at this point in time? I mean, you know? point, you, they've got a show, every, a two-hour show every week. They've got uh, a YouTube show. I mean, let's be so honest. So about, what are we, about 30 weeks into the we're year about, right now? We're about 70 shows into the year. There are some tag okay. teams that have 20. Ma- I mean, okay. I've looked up one of my other gentlemen, and his record for the year in the tag match is like 21 and 7. Right. So he's had 30 matches. So we're about a quarter of the way through some of the matches okay, he could so he's, be having. He's, he's not very, just underutilized. He's very underutilized. Correct. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Mark, what are your thoughts? So my uh, my first choice is, <laughs> I, I got a little grief from Narge about this, but is another Chicago guy, uh, Colt Cabana, who is currently with the Dark Order. I don't know why. I mean, it worked when Brody was around because they had an angle going on. But after Brody passed, then Cabana just stayed in. He does not fit there. And the thing with Cabana is, he can, you name a style, he can do it. He's got such an underground following. He's a guy they could have highlighted in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I understand his former best friend is on the show. Right. But Chicago loves punk. And, I And they love Cabana, too. I or That's what I meant, Cabana. I shared a locker room with Cole Cabana, though, years ago. I don't have the most positive things to say about Cole Cabana I've on a personal level. Um, Hang on, folks. We might be hearing our first uh, 
clap back coming from a yeah. wrestler. Someday. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> I'm going to shoot. No. Uh, Colt, years ago, I did the independent scene. And, uh, Colt came down. Uh, I was on a group of wrestlers called the New Breed Wrestling Alliance. We did a show in uh, little old Buckley, Illinois. Colt Cabana was there, Eric Young, EY, David Young, The Naturals, uh, Chase Stevens, and... Andy Douglas. Andy Douglas. They were all there. We had this fantastic show. Hang on. You dropped those names on the floor there. Uh, I got to pick them up. Uh, Colt just acted like he didn't want to be there. And I mean, this is a guy at the point was not on TV. The TNA guys were incredible. Had a great time with them. Colt, is this where I'm changing? Is this who I'm working? How did this end right. up in Buckley? I mean, Buckley's like, not, they don't even, do they have a church or a bar? I mean, they're really small. That's actually a funny story. <laughs> got the, they got the lion's do, I, do I got a couple of seconds? Give, Go me, for give it. me a couple of seconds. So, Go for it. Buckley, Illinois, they have a bar. It was called the 103 East Bar and Grill. They let us come up there, and they're like, yeah, you guys got wrestling? Yeah, let's do it. We did the craziest stuff in this but I was in a you bring the weapons match. I was in a give the fans a strap match. Um, so Buckley loved us. There was actually a show. Shout out to Tracy Smothers, RIP. <laughs> Tracy Smothers, maybe one of the greatest independent wrestlers of all time. Once oh, yeah. he got out of the prime, actually almost started a riot in Buckley with a preacher. The preacher showed up. Tracy's cutting a promo, I believe, on the mother or the father of one of the wrestlers. He's calling her a whore. Um, just going to town, talking about how he's going to take her home, do this, this, and this with her. The preacher at the end went and told the bar owner, I will never be back here again. I can't believe you're doing this. Shut this down. That night, the fans are throwing chairs. at the. I mean, we're talking full. They had to call the police because of Tracy Smothers doing a promo on the parent of one of the wrestlers. And the parent knows. They know what's right, going on. Right, right. They're they ran on the, the gag. They ran on it. I'll never forget it. But it just, Colt, that night, he rubbed me the wrong way. You know, years later, I, I've seen him. I love I love his in-ring work. I think he's great. He's yeah. fun. But him as a person that evening, he just, he saw us as a bunch of, we weren't on his level. Right. And that's how we retreated. Well, the thing to remember about Cabana, I'm going to stick with Cabana's in-ring as far as my argument goes. Absolutely. And, uh, which I would agree with probably. And the thing people don't, a lot of people may not realize, he's a two-time former NWA world champion. That sounds right. Yeah. From about 10 years ago. And then, uh, yeah, and he's wrestled all over the world. Japan, England, mastered every style. He's a funny guy in the ring when he wants to be. But the guy can sell merchandise. I oh, mean, yeah. pro wrestling tees is built around Colt Cabana. I'll do you one better. Uh, wrestling podcast, I don't think, would be where they are without Colt Cabana and the art of wrestling. No one. That, I mean, that was my first wrestling podcast I listened to. Would you say that's an inspiration for what you decide to put together here? I think I would go that far. That All podcast right. has also caused a lot of problems. And <laughs> let, let's talk about that because I know you want to get into that. Let's talk about Colt and his former friendship. <laughs> Come on, Mark. It writes itself. And it, the wrestling nerds, you and I, we would pop. That's what I told you. I said before Punk announced he was going to challenge Darby at All Out, I said the first feud that would make all kinds of money, especially at All Out in Chicago, would be if Punk could work with Cabana. And granted, they have a pretty, they had a pretty nasty falling out over legal problems. They, uh, but they trained together. They were tag team partners together. They, I've seen them wrestle each other probably dozens of times. 
Pumpkin Cabana in Chicago. I can hear it now. The Mint. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, print, it's printing bills, baby. Yeah. Um, I want to point this out because you mentioned this the other day and I got on Twitter. Okay. Punk, not a word about Rampage. Nothing. He was actually at the gathering of the Juggalos and... Informed everybody on Twitter, he's the only one in a mask at the right. gathering. Uh-huh. The Juggalos. Yeah, so shout out to ICP. A couple this is of a former wrestling mask, or are you talking about a COVID mask? No, we're talking about a COVID mask. Yeah, wow. he's the only one masked up at the gathering of the Juggalos. Also, real quick, I want to point out. I think it was Violent J. It's J or Shaggy. One of them is having some health problems. It's Violent J's having um, heart failure. Yes. Yeah, so. Next year will be the. For any of you juggalos, which I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I can't say it seriously. It will be their final tour, um, as he he did state on a podcast or something that he realized something was wrong. He was walking to the mailbox and running out of breath, and on the stage, running out of breath. He's having basically congestive, congestive heart failure. Heart failure. Yeah. So, well, so all our good thoughts to to Violent J and ICP and all. I hope he's bands. getting medical care and yes, lasts it. Yeah. So, on top of Colt, I've got one other gentleman that I think is underutilized and he's in the wrong spot. Okay? Okay. I'll be quick. Brian Pillman Jr. Okay. And great talent. Fantastic talent. Got the bloodline. They have roped him into this tag team with this other gentleman, Griff Garrison. And I don't think that's... Appropriate, And people will argue with me on this, but I really think there should be some sort of following in his father's footsteps. I really felt like Brian Pillman Sr. left a lot of things on the cutting room floor that could have been used. And I saw promo photos of Junior dressed as his dad. Yeah. I really think there's a loose cannon. I think there's an angle there at some point. You've got to work into it. I think eventually him turning heel on Garrison is how we start there. And maybe just getting to the point of, Nobody appreciates me. They only talk about my dad. He could really turn this into no. They talk about my yeah. dad, blah, blah, blah. It, it could cause him to snap. Yeah. And he's got the, he can cut the promo. He's, he's got, I've seen him in MLW before he was with AEW. And he would do stuff with the Hart Foundation, the Hart Dynasty, I think they called it. It was uh, Harry Smith and Teddy Hart. And he was like, he was kind of in that role with them. He was teaming with Harry, but he was also kind of. Not the loose cannon, but he was the wild card on that team. And that that's not a bad name. No. The wild card. Yeah, you don't want to just... You don't want to... No, you don't want to... Yeah. He just... He's got the talent. For a guy who has very minimal training, I mean, yeah. he's got training, but he's... He kind of got shoehorned into this because of his dad. Right. That's a gimmick I really think we could explore more mm-hmm. instead of what... And I really feel like... And I love Tony. Tony, I love you. If you're listening, we'd love to have you on. Champagne. My dad worked at Flexingate, Tony. We, we've talked... We could have hung... We could have been best friends. Um, <laughs> Tony Khan. Tony, my dad... That's a whole nother story, but this... Where I could be right now may not be here on Barbary Street. I could be in Jacksonville hanging with Tony and Tebow. And but, but he ain't he, there anymore, but we could hang, the, you know? You'd take me too, though, right? I don't even know if I would know you at this oh, point. But. That hurts. That's hurtful. Okay. Mark, who do you got? You got anybody so got, else or are you got, moving on? I got one more. We got a couple more minutes in this segment, but it's actually a tag team. And kind of along the same lines as one of your picks, it is uh, the Proud and the Powerful. Yeah. Where he's in Santana. 
I think they are probably they're my favorite tag team in AEW. More than FTR. More than FTR. Oh my! Believe it or not, goodness. I've, is I've, there I've, like a shock button? There is. Uh, <gasps> <gasps> but exactly. I've, I've been a fan of theirs since they were in Impact doing the LAX thing with Kingston and Conan, and their tag team work is great. And I love FTR. You know I do. Oh yeah. But just Ortiz and Santana. Ever since the first episode of Dynamite when they got roped in with Jericho in the inner circle, they have not gotten their shot at the tag team titles, I don't think. I don't think they've had a single tag team title opportunity, have they? Not that I recall. I mean, and that's I mean that's a shame. If they did, we don't recall it because, again, they're an afterthought. And they're not even in a lot of tag team matches, just regular tag matches. They're in a lot of these eight-man tags, ten-man tags, six-man tags. They're always doing inner circle business instead of doing proud and powerful business. Who's more underutilized, in your opinion? The inner circle under Jericho or the pinnacle under MJF? Because I think we, I said Sammy, you said Santana Ortiz. I even threw Hager out. I mean, that's the whole group. I, I think it's I think it's the inner circle. I think, I mean, Guevara's been getting a little bit of the rub lately. He got the pin in the stadium stampede match. He's had a pretty high-profile main event with MJF. But other than that, they're, Hager and Santana Ortiz haven't really gotten a whole lot of shine by themselves. And that, no, and that you know the pinnacle they've all had their their spots. Yeah, uh, FTR I think struggles right now because uh, uh, Cash Cash I can't Cash I'm thinking of his WWE name. You know, pulled a chunk out of his arm. Right and now, yeah, those turnbuckle hooks hurt people. Uh, the other gentleman, he said FTR out the other day and hasn't explained anything since. So I they think he kinda, might just be, uh, maybe he's staying he's away until Cash comes back. Well, I, th- I think those are four solid, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So with that, that's a, that's a really good discussion, Narge, and uh, something that we want to hear people's input on on social media. If you, after you listen to this, if you got your own thoughts, hit us up on Insta or Twitter. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. This is the first of two brown M&Ms. If yeah. you listen to our first podcast, uh, our producer will explain the brown M&M again real quick here to you. The brown M&M is a term that was coined when Van Halen would put it in their production riders to ensure that people actually paid attention to the entire rider. They would tell the backstage rider to not have brown M&Ms anywhere near backstage. So when they went backstage, if they saw brown M&Ms, they knew people weren't actually paying attention. So we use it here to make sure that you've listened, you've heard, and you're part of the process with us. And this is the first of two. We discussed another one for later on in the show. But absolutely, who is the most underutilized talent in AEW? They have a full-blown roster. Uh, Mark had printed off. How many they got, Mark? They have, including non-contracted talent, they have about 111 people on their roster that they use between all of their shows. 111, and we have looked at one, two, three. We looked at five of 111. There's got to be others out there oh, yeah. that you think Absolutely. they could be using more. I know you know more that we don't have time to get into. But Joey Janela. <laughs> no, but we'll move Jelly on. Jelly Nutella. Is <laughs> I love Joey. Him. All right, so we're going to move on our uh, rights and wrongs, which is our recap. And we started uh, started the show talking about the returns at SummerSlam with Becky Lynch. We're going to get into the other big one, uh, the Beast. He's he, back. He came I, back. I it took everything in my power not to spoil it, 
because I've told Mark for months. I appreciate it. All I want to see is Brock Lesnar as a baby face. Ever since oh, yeah. he returned years ago to call out Cena on Monday Night Raw, he has not worked as a baby. Nope. This writes itself. His former manager, his advocate, advocate. Yeah. left him, left him. And just Paul, I think you loved it. Paul just. Oh, Paul's reaction when Brock came out was priceless. Uh, I, I, he sauntered. I mean, he literally slipped out of the ring. Like, right. I'm, we're not. I'll tell you, go. I don't know if you noticed this, Narge. I had to go back and watch it again to see it. When Brock's music hit and they showed Roman. Did you see Roman kind of look at Paul as if to say, did you know about this? <laughs> I did. a li- I, it would, There was a glance, but I was so excited. I knew. So I told you earlier, I thought Brock, I had this feeling early in the show. I thought Brock was going to come back for Lashley. Right. And then when he came at the end. So because I had this premonition, I wasn't as shocked. Uh-huh. But damn it, I was excited to see Brock in that ponytail and i mean he looked like a jacked up dean ambrose like he's ready to, he's brock back Le- brock lesnar had hair he has like he has like a he's got a man now. bun oh he looks like our friend zach that, but, oh okay yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. zach forsyth shout out you don't like wrestling but uh, i'm gonna shout you out here. i want to avoid any trouble brock you look great with hair. <laughs> fantastic. Hey, fantastic. Hey, uh, if Narge wasn't ad- advertising the address, he wouldn't show up. Right. <laughs> uh, so for the neophytes, when you're calling him a baby face, what's what what is that standing baby, for in this terminology here? Baby face is wrestling speak for the good guy. Okay. The got heel it. is the heels bad are the guy. bad guys. Okay. Cool. Heels also a pretty good show on stars premiered not too long ago. Yeah. Stephen Amell, who's yeah. got some in ring work and uh, a I guy named CM uh, Punk. Uh, post. Production tonight is what we're doing. Is we're watching it. I think so. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna do some education on that. It's on stars. Stars. If, yeah. uh, you're looking, but I've heard fantastic reviews on this. I, somebody had told me it is literally, if you know anything about independent wrestling, this taps right into the main vein. So, yeah. Darge, I want to get a little more into SummerSlam while yeah. we're while we're here. There was uh, a couple questionable things on SummerSlam. The <sighs> Dripstick 2000 comes to mind. But, uh, <laughs> but man, there were a couple of matches that stood out over the weekend. We'll get into the other one here in a couple of minutes. But the one, actually, we're going to have it in our What to Watch segment later, but the match of the night for me was uh, Edge and Seth Rollins. Fantastic. Just, I was pumped from the beginning, Mark, mm-hmm. when that brood oh, music man, that hit. Oh, so cool. Oh, I mean, I literally stood up off my couch because I... I told you earlier, I thought maybe we'd get Gangrel. I know they did the the brood. He called it a brood bath last well, week, it but whatever. It wasn't blood, though, so it technically wasn't. it's not a blood bath. But that, right into his actual theme the song, bridge, yeah. I was pumped. I was oh, pumped. Yeah. Ed, if had Edge, I, I don't want to spoil Are we going to spoil it? What are I? It's been five, it's been five days. Okay. If, if you haven't seen had it by Edge now, it's on not me. won the match, I'd been so disappointed. And I felt like Edge, ever since he's come back, has kind of been fodder for folks. He's, to, he's been putting over the young guys. Yeah, this was his turn, and I think yeah. Seth can take a loss. Yeah, Rollins isn't hurt by any any loss. He's one of no. the most reliable guys on that show. Oh, have, have you ever seen him have a bad match in WWE? No, I mean, and that's the thing. Seth has been quality from from day one. He's, um, he's their punk now. 
what CM Punk was for them seven years ago. That's what Rollins is doing now. Oh, yeah. If WWE ever did Seth wrong, he'd have the same following, oh, if yeah. not similar to CM Punk. I really right. do believe But hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, knock on wood. Don't want to see everybody happy. I was worried about this gimmick they've shouldered him with. But he's, he's, he's made he, it work, he runs man. With it. He gets it over. Uh, what else on SummerSlam stuck out to you? Uh, not much, unfortunately. Um, I think I told you I'd fell asleep during a couple parts. The main event, I really, for me, and I hate to jump ahead so so far. No, you're fine. Roman and Cena, and I'm going to tell you this. I said it earlier today. John Cena, for as much hate as he gets, is quality. John yeah. delivers every single time. It, it, you get John Cena... 100%. He's not movie star John Cena. No. He showed up as WWE superstar, 16-time heavyweight champion yep. John Cena, and I really thought they were going to put the belt on him at one uh, point. I yeah, did. I thought uh, maybe after Flair left, this is it. We're doing it. There's a lot of people always assume that Vince is spiteful, and if somebody leaves the company, he's going to just erase um, them I from did. memory. There was a part of it. I never bought into that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so... Like I said, if it was a very good show, nothing really outstanding aside from those two things, but it was a good show. Not the drip stick. Not the drip stick. Uh, I did like Xavier's gear though, the Scott Hall Razor Ramon mashup thing. That was the best part. The crowd though, just I mean you, I mean it was silent, just silent. Yeah. If you're backstage, Vince McMahon, come on, you have to. There wasn't a single noise. I mean, there was nothing. No. And like somebody pointed out, you have adults falling in the ring over squirt guns. Right. It's time to move on. I think Monday Night Raw addressed that. I'm, I'm happy. To, yeah. I'm happy to see <laughs> The Miz and Morrison go in separate ways. It was long yeah. overdue. Yeah. And that's the Miz, good they both deserve so much better. Morrison's ready to break out. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, if you haven't watched SummerSlam yet, I do encourage you to, because it, it was a good show, despite there was a couple things that might have missed, but otherwise, uh, the other thing, yesterday, or not yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, and I'm still getting my days mixed up, uh, Sunday, NXT TakeOver 36, ah. the other best match of the weekend, I think the best match of the weekend, was my guy, Valter, the ring general against Ilya Dragunov for the UK title. Do you think Dragunov's chest still hurts? Does he still have a chest? <laughs> my wife came downstairs and she was like, what is wrong with him? My, my wife, she looked at him and she said, wow, did he get hit with a stick? I was like, no, that was a hand. That match, <laughs> man, that, that could have main evented. Nobody would have cared because it was awesome. Yeah. My only problem with it, and we talked about it, was I thought Walter tapped too quick. I loved, your idea was he should have. I thought he should have passed out. Absolutely. If it He's was a regular so sleeper, but watching the, the the hold that tapped him out, that was a shoot sleeper. Yeah. No, he, he had it in. He had it in. So that made sense for him to tap out quick there. But I if, thought TakeOver was solid start yeah. to finish. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, two out of three with Colin O'Reilly? It was good. Uh, a lot of folks hate two out of three fall matches. I like when they do the three stages of hell, though. Yeah. Where they do the different stipulation for each fall. I think that match caused a lot of drama that, you know, I, you, you put O'Reilly over. But oh. now the talk is, oh, is Cole even? Is Cole right. going? If they put Cole over, 
Does that drama happen? Are people talking AEW? That's what, you know. I think they will, regardless. Because fans, fans are aware of his contract status, and they always, I don't want to say always, I want to jump to conclusions. They jump to conclusions, and they assume things. And, I mean, if Cole goes to AEW, he's going to do great. If he goes to the main roster, he might do great. It depends. I mean, he's if he'll is. work with anybody, and if they give him the chance, he's going to be a huge, huge deal. What what if what if Cole goes to AEW and aligns himself with Punk against his former his former people, the elite? See, you're falling in that Tony trap again. I love it. More groups, more groups, a gang warfare, CM Punk and his merry band of idiots. Um, Punk should not be leading a group, in a group, anything. He needs to be his own guy. Cole could go with the elite because he was Bullet Club with Ring of Honor. But does he work himself out of the elite at some point? He's got to be that guy who's not comfortable in the group. The hangman. You know, maybe he goes with Kazarian... The elite killer, the elite, I like the elite it. hunters, you know, something like that. Yeah, you know, we're all we're just speculating. It could be anything. It could be. No matter where Cole goes, he's going to be successful. That's you know, what it boils down to. You know, what match I really enjoyed was What's the that? was the opener. The opener, yes. The uh, remind me again, which one was the opener? L.A. Knight and uh, yes, Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. I we both thought a DiBiase heel turn, and I I thought it was apropos. Uh, L.A. Knight comes out in the Hogan red, white, and yellow, or red, red and yellow. Red and yellow. Grimes got the million. So it almost wrote itself, but it didn't. Right. Grimes won. Mm-hmm. Um, and so him and he's got the belt. He's and got the belt. I have read NXT spoilers. I'm not going to blow it. Thank you. Uh, LA Knight is moving on, though. Uh, he's got to. That's, so that's it. He's, I think, if you had to pick NXT, he's got to be top three. Oh, yeah. One of the best on the mic, one of the best in the ring. He could go main roster next Monday. Yeah. And could be one of the best heels. Oh, yeah. Easily. He and Walter could be on the main roster yesterday. Walter, there's there's so much for him. You know, I'm sorry to cut you off. We were talking off air about who's going to be the next one to challenge Lashley. Yes. Give me Walter. Get all day. Walter and Lashley would be The amazing. crowd would go ballistic. Oh, you know man. who'd not to give me? Carrying Cross in his Mad Max outfit. Uh, Lord, you move that. But man, poor Cross. He's so good in there. We they're, might have time for that later on. Yeah. Cross is great if he'd bring Scarlet up, but that outfit, and from what I read today, it's from a marketing standpoint. It's to sell action figures, oh, yeah, to yeah. put in video games. That's, it's it's a look that sets a, him apart. That's our buddy Nick. But that look, he looks stupid. Our, so. our esteemed WWE president. <laughs> That's how, the uh, bad con. How how big and how well done is the a- in AEW marketing of uh, toys? Fig- you know, all the, all the materials that you saw for WWE at Walmart kind of for its, years. It's kind of been its infancy right now. Yeah. They, got, they started putting out their action figures. They've got action figures, belts. I mean, the commercials are out there. The video ga- They've got a mobile uh, game where uh-huh. you can be like a GM sort of deal. Okay. So you're not really wrestling, but you're right. putting matches together it's, and stuff like that. It's okay. I, I tried it. It's not great. Yeah. But the video game is coming. Right. From what I understand, the video game is going to be a throwback to one of our favorite games on Nintendo 64, which was what? WCW vs. NWO. Revenge. Revenge. Yeah. And that's... Same company, right? Maybe one... Yeah. Is it a Kami or... Acclaim, maybe? Acclaim. Something something like like that. that. But that game... All our gamer fans, if you know, chime in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're a wrestling video game fan, you fall back to that. Uh, WrestleMania 2000 was a similar style. And AEW has promised that. Kenny Omega is a huge video game oh, yeah. guy. And he has promised something special. So, 
I think once that comes out with Punk now, from what I understand, TNT, they love the CM Punk signing. They have already oh, yeah. got thoughts um, and things in motion for promotion oh, behind him, Punk. They'll put so. him in like made for TV movies, probably. Oh, yeah, Punk will be doing a lot. He's an actor on the side, he's done a couple of horror movies. Uh, Jacob's Ladder, Jacob's I think, Ladder, is what it's called. The Girl on the Fourth Floor, or something like that, yeah. I don't. I didn't see the movie. Sorry, Batista Tom. actually threw uh, out the girl movie. Yeah, that might have been the one with, uh, oh, good lord, Bishop Stevens. It's a horror flick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Batista of Drax of Guardians of the Galaxy fame, right. pro wrestler Batista. I like that Batista. guy. He's great. He threw out there that Punk would be an amazing actor, maybe better than a wrestler. That was an interview he gave yeah. about two weeks ago. Is, is, is Punk the guy that was doing like a reality show for the last few years? Is no. that him? No, no, no. no he was he did UFC guy. twice, and then uh, he kind of did went and did a couple movies, and now he's back in wrestling. Okay, somebody but, I saw was doing. They had a no Miz. The is Miz. that it? The, the Miz. Miz. That's yeah. the guy that has it. Now is yeah. he still in the wrestling game? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. Uh, so talk about Punk was a nice segue uh, to the our preview for All Out on September fifth where Punk has announced he's going to take on Darby. But before we get into that, we're going to get into... We didn't really get into his promo a whole lot, Narge, on Rampage. Oh, yeah, sucker? Uh, yet somebody had an opinion today. <laughs> an opinion I don't agree with, but I'm going to go with it here. So, Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer, Tag Team Champion, World Champion, Booker T. Um... The crowd goes mild. <laughs> it's it's truly unfortunate uh, when I'm on Facebook and scrolling and I see WWE Hall of Famer said XYZ negative thing. And I automatically think it's Booker T. Mm-hmm. And I was right. So Booker said this about Punk's promo on Friday. CM Punk came back and he had 10 full minutes to go out there and make his point as far as CM Punk being back. He had the perfect crowd to be able to go out there and really, I'm talking about have a party up in that United Center. But CM Punk came back and took his moment and chose to talk about WWE. That right there was just a total miss as far as I'm concerned. He struck out for me. It was the same promo that was given in WWE. It was about WWE. It had nothing meaningful to it as far as what I'm going to create, who I'm going to blow up, who I'm going to take AEW by. Coming in being a nice guy and throwing out friggin' ice cream bars, who gives a damn about that? Well, I'm going to tell you who gives a damn about that. I do. And I'm one of the... I was a CM Punk hater for years. I told Mark that. I felt like Punk abandoned us as a... uh, A community. A a community. He went. He did the ultimate fighting thing. Anytime anybody asked him about pro wrestling, it was a negative thing. There, There was never anything positive from CM Punk about it. It was, Dad, it was my old life. I'm not doing that. Yada, yada, yada. I felt what he did Friday was almost a mea culpa. He came out. That's a big word. He came out. <laughs> you know, I don't speak Spanish. And he almost asked for forgiveness, I felt like. Yeah. He, he, he let folks way. know he was sorry, and he was excited to be back and that this made sense. His body language, he seemed genuinely happy to be there, which made me happy. How about the crowd jump? Oh, man, the crowd was huge. From a guy who kind of... Has always, I mean, he, he's had a tendency to be a dick to fans. Well, yeah. If, His if, character maybe if, sarcasm. If deserved, no, if deserved. Like he's said in interviews, if people were rude, like in airports, then sure. he's, then he tends to be shitty with them. But he's very respectful if you're respectful to him, which yeah. is all you can really ask for. And I think that Chicago, I mean, 
he it got He's Mr. To him. Chicago. You could see it. I mean, the tears were there. It was it, it was, you know, for Booker T. Maybe Punk had a different route he wanted to go. Can you imagine walking out and hearing that crowd do what they oh, yeah. did? Yeah. Maybe that's what we get on Dynamite. Is maybe he'll kind of get to. Business. I think we get the actual pipe bomb Dynamite. I don't think. I think this was a. I'm sorry. I'm back. Accept me. I missed you. This is where I want to be. Wednesday brings the heat. Now, there's one thing I do agree with Booker on, and it's doesn't. It's not necessarily to do with Punk's promo, but just in general, I hate it when, just as an example, AEW will take a cheap shot at the WWE on their programming. It just it doesn't seem necessary because <laughs> it's kind of an old uh, cliche that uh, that Vince used to say was don't acknowledge the competition and for the most part Vince doesn't acknowledge AEW for the most part for the most part there was one time Sami Zayn said AEW in a promo and that's it he did here recently though like I pointed out earlier Roman and I think it's the wrong time Roman Reigns has alluded to CM Punk in two separate interviews why why do that oh, ignore for, them for I think just you know, you know he's not scripted. Is it who's got a bigger <laughs> balls thing? Like, is that what it is? Like, I'm gonna do it, you know? Yeah. Or is it for attention? I think I, I think, think that think kind of stuff brings it. attention to both yeah. audiences. Yeah. Fans but we eat that thing. up. That's a good thing though. Yeah. I mean, if WWE can get more eyes on AEW and vice versa, that's a great thing for the business in general. Punk's promo though, he never specifically said WWE. He alluded to the fact that between 2005 and 2021, he was not in he was not in professional wrestling, which Nick Khan actually had told Ariel Hawani this previous week that WWE is not in the business of professional wrestling. They are in the business of sports entertainment. And AEW is professional wrestling. So you do have these two options when watching television. Yeah. Do you want to watch professional wrestling or do you want to watch sports entertainment Which, and i think there's a i i like a little of both there's a little bleed over on both shows i agree but uh i mean so I prefer you, professional saying, wrestling are you saying the aew stuff is more athletic yeah. sport it's, as opposed it's to more sport acting and entertainment there's interesting it's more yuck yucks and comedy and drama you know it's, it's like a it's more of a soap opera on WWE. slapsticky wwe's more yeah i mean we talked earlier at SummerSlam. they literally had a segment where a guy came out and shot two grown men with a water gun and the crowd d didn't care about that and at all was the water and, actually but, but, but i guarantee water? the no, it was water the 76 year old gentleman in the back thought it was hilarious probably <laughs> but also the fans that crapped all over that when you watch Chris Jericho get dropped into a giant tub of mimosas, thought it was the greatest thing ever. I did. Yes. It was funny. I mean, it was funny, but you can't have one without the other. I agree. I just, I, I feel like WWE, it's more, there are so many talented guys in WWE, and I think you'll agree with me that if they take the cuffs off just a little bit, just a little bit, we'd get so much more out of them. Right. Oh, yeah. I remember, and I know you remember, WrestleMania night one in the rain delay. Yep. They had to kill time, and they had nothing prepared. So they had their guys just go out off the cuff, just cut, like, just improvise promos. You remember who killed it? Oh, everybody killed it. Rollins, Owens. Kevin Owens. Owens. Well, yeah. But, and that's the thing. You sink or swim. There were some that killed it. There were others that it just didn't work. 
All right. So moving on from AEW, there's a couple more things. On top of all that, there were a couple other big shows over the weekend. Uh, Impact Wrestling had their emergence pay-per-view, which I watched yesterday. It was really good. It was Christian and uh, Christian Brian Myers, Myers right? Yeah, I'm going to run down the results on this just because uh, we got a, a few minutes. First match, Matt Cardona with Chelsea Green beat Rohit Raju with uh, Mahabali Shira. Cardona still selling and still showing the wounds of war from the Nick Gage match from GCW, by the it's way. the king of hardcore, Matt Cardona. That's right. Uh, Tasha Steeles, Savannah Evans, who I'd never seen but was very good. Falaba and No Way, formerly No Way Jose, uh, lost to Decay, which is Rosemary, Havoc, Crazy Steve, and Black Taurus, which is really fun stable. Steve Macklin, the former Steve Cutler in the uh, Forgotten Sons on NXT, beat oh, yeah. P.D. Williams. And uh, let's see, Madison Rain beat Taylor Wilde. Ace Austin won a four-way for the number one contendership over Moose, Chris Saban, and Callahan. I'm looking forward to that. Ace Austin and Christian. Austin's a guy yeah. who's really built himself, and yeah. uh, he's doing good work. Yeah. Uh, Josh Alexander, one of my favorite guys, uh, beat Jake something for the X Division title. He retained. Uh, Deanna Parasso and Matthew Rewalt, who we all know as Aiden English, uh, won a mixed tag against Molina and Trey Miguel. And the Good Brothers won a three-way match for to retain their tag titles over Rhino and Joe Doring, another one of my favorite guys, and Rich Juan and Willie Mack. And then the main event you alluded to, Christian Cage retained over Brian Myers in their match. Not not a bad lineup there uh, for anybody who watched Impact. I mean, this weekend was just so full of wrestling. I mean, that pay-per-view was on Friday. Yeah. I don't know how many eyes it got on it with yeah. everybody knowing. I mean, the, wor- the worst-kept secret in professional wrestling was Punk showing up. So. Yeah, and the best-kept secret in wrestling is Josh Alexander for my money. He's awesome. I yeah. think... And I love Ethan Page. Yeah. Breaking them up, I think, is, is going to do big things for them. I, I would. Them, yeah. Ethan's another guy. We could go back. Well, we yeah. could rewind 20 yeah. minutes ago and talk about underutilized. Yeah. But, but Impact has really been showing Maybe out next episode. <laughs> uh, the other big show this weekend, Ring of Honor, had a two-night pay-per-view, Glory by Honor, which is one of their annual shows. And I'll just kind of run down some of the highlights here. Excuse me. Uh, eight-man street fight. Violence Unlimited, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, Tony Deppin, and Homicide beat La Faccion Ingobernable, which is Rouge, Dragon Lee, Kenny King, and La Bestia del Ring. That's easier for you to say. Right? Bandito retained his title over Flip Gordon, which are two of my favorite guys. Uh, night two, let's see, Vincent, not Virgil Vincent, not Mike Jones. <laughs> uh, he beat Matt Taven in a cage match to earn Taven's Ring of Honor World title shot. Dragon Lee and Roosh beat Bandito and Ray Horus in a, I guess, a Lucha-style tag match. Uh, the Foundation beat Violence Unlimited. The Foundation's Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham, uh, their group. Gresham's awesome. I love Gresham. That's a He's guy so that he can, he can work. Yep. And then uh, <laughs> you'll get Dalton Castle defeated Danhausen <laughs> at night two. Very evil. The weirdest damn gimmick I've seen in a long time <laughs> is Danhausen. We saw him, my son and I saw him in Indy uh, back in the fall. He wrestled Mordecai. Uh-huh. We saw <laughs> and, him in the crowd once. And he brought a jar of teeth to the ring yep. that Mordecai kicked off the ropes and they shattered everywhere. It was as, a, as I understand he it, messed it up, teeth but. is Danhausen's currency, as uh, I understand it. Well, his currency was all over the floor in yep. Indianapolis. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you dropped your coins. Yeah. 
All right, so we're going to move on. We have a new segment uh, this week. It's the uh, We kind of alluded to it on our uh, social media called The People's Question, where uh, our listeners will send in questions. Uh, we'll have Marco read them off, and we will kind of offer our two cents. So, Marco, what do we got? All right. This week we're going to do two questions. Okay. We have two others if we have time left today, but these first two are the ones we decided on earlier. So first one comes from Doug Clark. His uh, at is at 80s Rock Forever. And he asked, who in AEW will be the first person to kick out of the one-winged angel? Narge? I'll go first. I am going to go with a rumor. So I'm going to go with the gentleman known in WWE as Daniel Bryan. I think when he shows up in AEW, he'll go by his former name, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I think that is, that's a five-star Meltzer match all day long. Omega Danielson, he kicks out. He will be the gentleman to dethrone Kenny Omega. Hmm. See, I got a different one. I think it's going to be a guy they've kind of been grooming the last couple of years. And they seem... Just on the cusp of strapping the rocket to him. And that's uh, Adam Page, the hangman. I know he's out of the rankings right now, but he's not going to be out of there for long. And I think before you consider giving Punk or Danielson a title shot or a title title run, they got to put it on Page just because the fans are so invested in him. And he's just, he's like, he's their guy right now as far as the main event picture goes. And to have him be the one to kick out of the one-winged angel and... All you diehards know what kind of a move that is. But to this day, I think only Kota Ibushi has kicked out of that move in Japan. I believe you're right. And I Nobody believe I has done it yet. Okada no. grabbed the rope. Yeah, he got his foot on the rope. So. And Moxley got his foot on a rope in the exploding barbed wire deathmatch fiasco. So this is this is a protected move. It's this very is, protected. This which, is a big deal. Which is not done enough with good finishes these days. No, not at all. And that's so my my ignorance on this subject, I'll be honest, the other day when this question was uh, asked, I thought, what's it, what are they talking about? You know, there's so many false finishes on finishers these days. I, did, I had to do my research. I'll, I'll claim ignorance on this. And I didn't realize how protected of a move this was. Mark did know and I didn't. Um, I can't disagree with you. I think Hangman is a solid choice. I'm going out there. I Like I said, I'm going out there on the limb. But Hangman, even if he wasn't to beat Omega, but to kick out of that, yeah. it makes that, him, that'll right? That'll make him, yeah. Yeah. So, right. so let's, uh, let's for the that. neophytes, uh-huh. uh, although we did discuss this the other day, let's tell them what a protected move is, why we're, why we're making this a big deal to talk about. You want to take this, Marsh? Uh, no, I will let you take it, and then I'll describe what the one-winged angel is. Okay, so a protected move is one that, with all of the finishes out there in wrestling, nine times out of ten, they'll get hit four or five times in a match and get kicked out of or escaped in some form or fashion before they finally hit it and get a pin. A protected move is something you hit it one time. Nobody kicks out of it. So if you're going to hit that move, that's going to be the finish of the match. So this would be akin to The Rock's The People's Elbow? Ugh, is that no. the kind of thing we're talking more, about? Maybe more Macho Man elbow drop or Hulk okay. Hogan I, leg drop I, back in the day. I would, gotcha. go, I would go Jake the Snake, DDT. DDT, yeah. Nobody good. got okay. off from a DDT back in... Jake and now everybody gets up. But now back in the day. Spot. Or yeah. Undertaker Tombstone in the 90s. Right. So this, there are, this is akin to a wrestler has a single finishing move that when he or she does it, it's over. we know it's over... 
And that's kind of the way it's been designed to be. Is that a correct? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. So, Narge, what is the one-winged angel? So, the one-winged angel is similar to a Mishinoku driver almost. He, he sets them up on his shoulders, flips them over to the front, drops them down into a driver position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny, I mean, he can hit almost from anywhere. I mean, yeah. it's a beautiful move. It really is. It's definitely more effective than the... Uh, What's what, the V trigger, which he hits about 15 times in a match mm-hmm. and it really doesn't that do is anything. Not so, yeah, the V trigger everybody <laughs> kicks out of. I could kick out of the V trigger, but he loves it. It's um, a mix for a fun spot, people who went all over it because it looks cool. Oh, it looks great. But the one-winged angel reminds me of a move, which you may remember, Narge. Uh, remember a guy named Danny Daniels from yeah. Chicago? Remember he used to do a move called the Rubik's Cube. It was his finish. Similar, he'd have a guy up on your shoulders, but... Unlike the one-winged angel where Kenny will drop one leg off and then bring it down, Daniels will just pull you straight down off of his shoulders into almost a uh, almost like a pile driver. Like a driver. I love it. And That's it was awesome. awesome. And he would I, land in the pin. Oh, really? It, it looks sick. I'll to post maybe seven or find the link and post it on our gr- Twitter. Yeah, throw that up on the uh, the Twitter, the oh, YouTube, yeah. the Instagram. All to, uh, jumping the rail. Shout out to the main event, Danny Daniels. He was a good guy. Some guy Chicago guy, right? IWA, AAW's owner. Oh, if you guys okay. uh, check out our Facebook page, Narge will post a video of the one-winged angel being performed just so everybody can match his, oh, yeah. his uh, description to the video. We'll, we'll put all this okay. stuff up there. It'll be up there Thursday with this. Yeah. Margo, all right. We got the another next question. question. We had one more that we were going to work with. Great question, though. This great was, question. Yeah. yeah, that was. Very good, Doug. Uh, Michelle Kozlowski at M-I-C-H-E-Y. KOZ asks or states first, so my all time favorite wrestler is Eddie Guerrero. If he had not passed away, who do you think would be his rival at this point, Mark? Well, I'm gonna first make a statement. I'm I'm with you, Michelle. Eddie Guerrero was one of my top three guys to watch in the ring ever since I saw him in WCW in ninety five. So he would be I think if my math is right, fifty three right now. Give or take. Uh, can we get on the Google machine, Narge? Let's see what we got. But he is not too much older than Chris Jericho, not much younger than Sting. And if his career was any indication, he would have kept himself. If he did, if he had chosen to still be in the business at this point, he would be ready to go and in great shape. But if he was to feud with somebody, it would. Uh, the easy answer is Chris Jericho. I mean, they had feuds for years and. Mexico and in WCW, and uh, was I right, Narch? Yeah, fifty three, fifty four ish. My math is okay. rough. I'm not. What a year guy. was he born? Sixty seven, maybe fifty four. It depends on his birthday, but yeah. anyway, number thirteenth. But Jericho's the or, obvious uh, answer. Summer ninth, actually. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go, him putting over the young guys, Andrade would make for a very good matchup with Eddie Guerrero, and I'm sticking with AEW just because odds are he would not still be working for Vince McMahon if he was in his fifties. Which isn't a knock on him or on Vince. It's just the way it is. Who's next? (laughs) He's not built like a brick shithouse like Goldberg is, though. Narge, who do you think would... uh, So I disagree, and I would actually still think he'd be in WWE. I I think he'd have been out at some point, but they'd have brought him back. Um, With Rey Mysterio and Dominic doing their thing, that story writes itself. He he wouldn't hit his son. I think he would hit his son. (laughs) Um, I just I could see them going that route. You know, this is what I would see is still something with Mysterio and Dominic against Seth Rollins, and Seth brings Eddie in. 
Mm. I like it. That's not a bad idea. I mean, Eddie and Ray could have a match in their sleep. Oh, yeah. And then eventually, do you work to Eddie and Seth? Does Eddie... Does he? Does he? Man, I would love to see Eddie and Seth. So that—that's where I'm going. A dream match. I'd like to see Seth and Eddie. I don't know if you ever saw this, and I know it's a throwback to Punk again, but in 2002 in Morris, Illinois, they had a match in IWA Mid South. It was a three-way between Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and CM Punk for their heavyweight championship. I saw that. It is a fantastic match. It's a match that Punk credits for making him a better wrestler. It's a match that Eddie credits with kind of refueling his love for wrestling after he had been fired by Vince McMahon and he was kind of getting over his substance abuse problems and working kind of working the kinks out and that match he credited with making him want to get back to an elite level again it was a fantastic match I mean the fact that we got that at some point was just yeah incredible and uh same thing I'll post a link to that one on our uh, on our Twitter also but uh Michelle thanks for the question yeah, appreciate you listening question. Um, Viva Eddie. He was one of my favorites. Folks, we're going to try to do this every single podcast. So hit us up. It's uh, jumping the rail pod. pod at gmail. At gmail.com. Send your questions. We've got two others. I hope we have enough yep. time. We'll get to those at the end because they're fantastic yep. questions. And when you, put, when you send the email in with your questions in the subject line, put the people's question on there so we know what we're looking at. Yeah, so, and then add your uh, social media and we'll, we'll shout you out. Heck yeah. Our second brown M&M, now that we've gotten this far, was... Who do you think will be the first to kick out of the one-winged angel? Yeah. Comment that on the YouTube video. I'll, I'll put up Omega dropping that one-winged angel. Maybe I'll even find one of the Abushi match where he kicks out. So Yeah. I think it was in DDT was the promotion that was in. I wouldn't know that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be hard to find, but we'll try. Uh, All right. The and, then next I will, segment. and I will post a video of Danny Daniels hitting the Rubik's Cube. And the next segment we have now is the Heat and Shine. And this is oh, always fun this because this is the one that at some point will probably devolve into a real match one day. <laughs> Narge and Mark are Wrong. going to debate something. Here is the question up for debate this week. Who is at fault for the Max Caster promo on AEW Dark? Caster or Tony Khan? And before we start, I'll describe it to the people based on what I heard earlier, which was Max Caster was doing some promo work with the mic in the ring. It was being filmed live, and he had said some fairly derogatory things about Simone Biles and may have made some other comments he shouldn't have. Uh, it, it was a big fail, one of those things where uh, people cancel people sometimes. So, you know, the question is, was it his fault for doing it, or was it the fault of the promotion of Tony Khan for allowing it to even get out into the open, not putting the kibosh on it, wherever you want to call it, Let's start with Mark, who I believe says... I say that the blame goes squarely on... All right, so he thinks it's going to be Khan. And also, real quick, uh, it was not live. It was taped. For right, a, but it was being taped so. for video right. that was released for at least three days. Right, right, right. Right. And besides Simone Biles, he did mention the Duke lacrosse case, which if nobody remembers, yes, uh, the Duke lacrosse players had held a party at their frat house uh, with the stripper. Stripper accused them of rape. Um, ended up it finding it, then they were not guilty. Right. So yeah. nothing happened. Nothing happened thing, yeah. from it. But and he also did make some pretty off-color remarks about a young lady named Julia Hart, who's the valet for the Varsity Blondes. That got that got cut off by. Uh, What's his name? The uh, his partner, Bowens. 
Yes, Anthony yeah. Bowens. Yeah, he kind of cut him off after that, so it didn't get very far on there. But it got a lot of uh, attention. He got suspended for two months. Uh, uh, two months and sent to sensitivity, sensitivity training. training. And yep. I, he's alluding to the fact that he may never come back to AEW. He's been he, selling his gear. and Well, he had the option for his gear. That has come down. Oh. So he's not selling his gear now. But, yeah, just to kind of get back on track here, I am of the opinion that the uh, blame, not to blame for what he said, because, I mean, yeah, you should use a little sense and not say it, but that should not have made it to air on a tape program. And the blame for that falls on production, which all falls under Tony Khan and his directors, whoever's in the truck. And I say that because there's a precedent which is about two years ago on another show I really liked, NWA Power on YouTube, uh, Jim Coronet was doing commentary and made kind of a, a, a joke, an old kind of a dad joke that got really misconstrued about Evil Knievel riding through Ethiopia with a bucket of chicken on his back, which everybody construed that to be a racist joke, which I, <laughs> I can see where they would get the idea that it is. I, uh, I didn't take it that way myself. I just took it as, you know, going through a country of hungry people with food. I think the uh, the intonation that it was chicken as opposed to just, uh, yeah, you know, a he, bag of groceries. He didn't have to be that specific, but <laughs> but Jim Cornette got fired over it. and I think that's the right thing to do. But that was also a taped show. Okay. And it made air before it got Before somebody out. decided before to somebody take it down. Before somebody decided to take it down. So... There's a lot of accountability to be had on the production end of it. There is there is a lot of accountability to be on the production, the performance end of it. I'm not going to say that. But a lot of this stuff could be addressed in private after you see the tape. It can be edited out. You can have, hey, say, go out and do this again, but don't say this. Right. And they could have just as much content on their show, and nobody would be any the wiser. So your your viewpoint is to hold the, the, the guy that owns the promotion ultimately responsible for this correct my opinion is to hold the people in charge of editing the programming okay so not con well con is that guy oh he is an editor also okay he edits dynamite and then i don't know who was doing the editing for the youtube shows but in the aftermath of this concept he will be taking over editing for so maybe he wasn't the guy in charge of that particular promotion that day no but he was there Right on. So what what is his? So if you're holding him responsible, what's his mea culpa? What? Because when we go back to the uh, the wrestler himself, Caster, when when Nard speaks of that, the obvious is lose his job. I mean, that would be the ultimate. Most people would say, "What do you do when the owner of the company, who happens to also be the editor, is the guy responsible for doing this? Has he made a public apology? Has he's, there been anything? He's, he's addressed it. He's okay. made like a kind of the public apology for airing it. And then he said, going forward, he will be in, like being more hands-on with all of the content, what makes air and what doesn't. Has there been any real backlash, viewership loss, anything you've heard uh, of? No, especially no, no viewership loss. Uh, this this episode might create some. It, it, I, hope, <laughs> I, I mean, I hope so far we're up to like sixty or seventy listeners, but right. you know. But I don't think we're telling any tales out of school here. Uh, Dark isn't their most widely viewed show on YouTube. It's on. I think Monday evenings, like five o'clock, which is a weird time. That's how it's Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's I don't. It's not their throwaway show. It's like it's not as big as like a Dynamite or a Rampage. But they do put some. They put their 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 younger guys on the guys without. It's essentially to put matches on. There's not a whole much. lot of storyline. Yeah, 
uh, you know, production on there. Yeah. So, Nard, your viewpoint is that Max Caster is, would you say, solely responsible for this screw up or? I'd say 90%. 90%. So, I, first of all, I'm going to start with saying I think Max Caster is one of the, he's one of the best guys on the roster. His team, the acclaimed, another underutilized group, very incredible, great in the ring, good on the mic. But you've got to know. You got to play to your audience. I mean, the Simone Biles thing to come out and make a mental health joke literally a week, two weeks after she pulled out of the Olympics and people were just, they felt so sorry for her. They understood. You've got to know better. I mean, I understand trying to get heat. I understand trying to play the heel. There's a fine line there. I'm not a guy that's easily offended. So I'm going to be honest. I didn't have a problem with the promo. I really didn't because what it is, it's a gentleman playing a character trying to get you upset with him. When you watch a movie and somebody makes an off-the-cuff joke or there's a scene that you don't like, do you do you dislike that person playing that character? No. You understand why they're doing it. So I understand why he's doing it. So I he do. was just, for you, he was playing his role. He was playing his role to a T. But at the end of the day, he is the gentleman responsible for that. So the backlash falls on him. He's the one in the back who wrote this rap. He said, I'm going to follow through with it. And he did. So you can't blame Tony. You know, Tony, I think it's been said a lot. That's one of the the nice things about AEW. There's a lot of creative freedom allowed in AEW. Tony doesn't put the cuffs on him quite like Vince McMahon does. Vince McMahon controls... Everything yeah, from start to finish. That's what I've heard that Vince is like, you will do this, you'll do it this way, and if you don't want to it, you won't be in this anymore, and that's the end of it for him, right? Essentially, or More he'll or embarrass you or something like that. So Tony's given free reign to people. What I didn't care for in the end is Tony immediately blames somebody else instead of himself. Well, I'll take control. Somebody else missed this. and somebody else. He didn't take the blame like he should have, but at the end of the day, so should have Max. And maybe Max, I don't know. We haven't really heard a whole lot out of him, like I alluded no, he's to. He's been pretty quiet. He's been quiet. He put his merch up for sale, deleted AEW and everybody from his Twitter. Right. Like, so I don't know what's going on there, but it, it would be an unfortunate thing to happen because he's a very talented individual. Based on this, he ought to go through his training, do what they ask him to do. I don't think WWE would touch him, to no. be honest, after this. No. WWE is too... Well, they're almost, they're almost getting to too Disney-like. They're too Disney-like. Yeah. It's very PG. And so I don't know what angle he's trying to work here by pretending like he's leaving AEW. Uh, fess up. Come online. Hey, I'm sorry. You know what? But this is, this is this is what I do for a living. Um, we talked before. It's, I mean, he's essentially a battle rapper. It's kind of his thing. So, I yeah. mean, you've watched 8 Mile. I mean, that's the whole gimmick is coming that's out true. there saying something. Or you will well, offend somebody. You're talking he's smack battle, at somebody. Yeah. Right. He's battle rapping the crowd or the other team. Right. Right. And that's where he's going with this. But ultimately, he's the one who said it. He's the one who wrote it. The blame is on him. Okay. Now, this, this promo, this little piece, the YouTube, whatever, it was pulled after three days. Did they days, did yeah. they do an edit and then re-upload, the, you know, put the whole thing back pulled up? Or is it thing. completely down and not been back up? From what I understand, they pulled the whole segment. I think so. Yeah, they yeah. pulled that whole segment off, yeah. It was just a segment, or was it the show? No, it was just it was a, a match. A piece. So he the came match. out and he raps before the match. It was his entrance okay. to the ring. He I got gotcha. you. Okay. All right, we're up to the uh, the SummerSlam event this week, and they have decided they're going to discuss what to watch. The Seth Rollins versus Edge 
match from SummerSlam this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. That match, we alluded to it earlier. Yeah. Um, Seth Rollins versus Edge. I think it stole the show. It absolutely. was a. It was the top one, the second one for me. Again, Roman Cena. This match from entrance to end, a beautiful thing. If you, if you had to watch one match from SummerSlam, find this match. Actually, you know how you're going to find it? Peacock. No. <laughs> well, well, yes. to work, but we're going to throw a link up on Jumping the Rails Facebook, Twitter. We're going to throw it up on there. Oh, are they You'll available in public it. also? Yeah, we'll find we'll it. Find okay, it. great. It'll be somewhere. But uh, it's a little thing that popped me on that match was uh, Rollins, when he came to the ring, was wearing a very ornate jacket. It looked like a drum major, which Michael Cole said looked like it was from Sgt. Pepper's. And uh, then Pat McAfee played like he didn't know what Sergeant Peppers was. <laughs> and then he later on he mentioned Sergeant Poppers, which would just make me chuckle. Wow. Pat, Pat, McAfee. McAfee. Pat McAfee. Shout Pat McAfee. out to him. One of the best uh, WWE's got on the mic A right breath now. of fresh air in the commentary booth on Absolutely. WWE. My, my, my favorite part of the match was the entrance of Edge. And I'm not an Edge fan. I'm no. not. I'll be honest. But that brood music hit. Oh, yeah. And I think I said earlier, I popped off the couch. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I half thought we'd see Gangrel with him. Yeah. Um, but to go from that brood music to his music, I mean, my adrenaline, I was just so ready for this match to begin. Yeah. And it was just, it was awesome from start to finish. I've been ready for it for about a month since they first teased it was going to happen. I was, I was all in. This is one of those mat all in. You, that's a hey. Shout out to AEW. <laughs> uh, this is a dream match. I mean, when you go back in time, you talk Rock, Hogan, Rollins and Edge is a match people have talked about for years. This oh, yeah. is the match yeah. that you compare these two guys and they delivered. They, it was not disappointing whatsoever. What I'm afraid of is now Vince is going to bastardize the hell out of it. We're going to get it about six more times. Yeah, that's Vince's wheelhouse is just rematch after rematch. Oh, you liked rematch. it? Here's another. Will this be the world's greatest wrestling match number two? I mean, was right, that, right, you know, right, come right. on. I just yeah. leave it alone. Let's yeah. move on now. Yeah. So, we're not going to get too far in this because we covered it pretty well during our SummerSlam recap. But we will put a link up on uh, on our social media so you can check it out. Let us know what you thought if you haven't seen it yet. But if you have, or if you haven't, like I said, what's, what's wrong with you? It's been five days. Yeah, get on it. Time to get to watching, apparently. It's yeah, on, the, it's on the Peacock. Yeah. So, we're going to move on just to make time go on. And we're going to move on to our uh, JTR history segment, which is what happened like this week in wrestling history. We got some good stuff this week, Narge. Oh man, we do. We hit uh, we hit almost every company on here. Yes, yeah. like and plus we got a big, big birthday. Oh, yeah. Not quite as big as Hulk Hogan's birthday, but it's <laughs> it's, it's a big one, I guess. Yeah, but not he, as big as the Hulkster he's, brother. He, he's all right. Uh, happy birthday to Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr., who is seventy six years old today. Happy birthday, Vince. Uh, I mean, despite we will what, not be singing. We will not sing. We will okay. not sing to Vince. But, I mean, despite what people think about the show now, I mean, dude, how much stuff has he given to us over the years as fans? I mean, Vince is an icon. I mean, at the end of the day, when Vince dies, I, I don't cry a whole lot when celebrities die. I think Vince is one where I'd right. probably shed a tear or two. Without Vince McMahon, we don't have the memories that we have. We're not here, I don't no. think. Without oh, no. Vince McMahon, maybe no. we're not friends. Maybe we're not talking about this podcast. Well, we might still be friends. But did he take? Be. Did he start WWF slash WWE, or his, would he buy it and his build father from, found his it. father did, and okay. then he bought it from his father in like '82. Yeah, it was originally the WWF. Right, right, right. I remember Senior that. And that was and WWF, and then uh, WWE now. 
and now it's WWE, yeah. but it was uh, who's the musician that got mad and they they World Wildlife Fund was it uh, Don Henley? No, I don't think it was Don. Oh, it was Henley. Don Henley's fund, World Just, Wildlife Fund. I'm not sure, but uh, but no. Happy birthday, Vince, uh, from two jabronis that run a podcast. <laughs> Hope you had a good one today. So the thing on our first thing on our actual list, uh, August 27, 1994, in Philadelphia, Shane Douglas won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in a tournament, defeating Two Cold Scorpio in the finals. Afterwards, Douglas threw the title down, effectively severing ECW's ties with the NWA and proclaimed himself as the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. I think this was the biggest moment in ECW history, Narge. Um, on his father, right? Was on his father's said. grave as his witness, I think he said something like that. Cut a hell of a promo. He That promo will go... I mean, without that promo, we don't get Extreme Championship Wrestling. No, there was still Eastern Championship Wrestling at the time. Uh, that was kind of... Is that when they did they undercut Todd Gordon at that point or no? no it was no, no. Uh, that was Dennis Coluso, right? Coluso, yeah. yeah. Coluso, yeah. And like the next day, Gordon disband- like he folded Eastern Championship Wrestling and started Extreme Championship Wrestling. And just uh, we were off to the races. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. incredible, incredible moment in professional wrestling. Oh yeah. So the next thing on our list, uh, August twenty sixth, nineteen ninety nine, the first official episode of SmackDown aired on UPN. That's the one with the big fist, right? Uh, it was before the fist. Before the fist. But, they uh, didn't get the fist yet. Not yet. They didn't get fisted yet. Man, I uh, love the fist. Uh, and this show, Triple H, who had uh, had retained his WWF championship in his first defense against The Rock with interference from guest referee Shawn Michaels, which was a big deal, I remember. Why would Shawn Michaels help Triple H? I, I don't know. It's just not clicking to me. Is that? <laughs> Have they even met? Oh, yeah. I've got two words for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Triple H and Michaels go way back it's to a group called The Click. Uh, it's five guys that ran together in WWF. and Right. They were, I was being sarcastic this one time. This, this one time? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. That's our live studio audience. That's right. August 25th, 1997. This is a big one to me. Uh, on WCW Monday Nitro, Arn Anderson officially announced his retirement, giving his spot in the Four Horsemen to Kurt Hennig. His spot? His liver spot? No. His dog spot? No. Hey, don't you go there, man. <laughs> that pissed me off so bad when Nash did that shit. Uh, but, I thought it was great. I know the Horsemen hated it. Anybody who hasn't saw that, uh, I was not that spot. Too that soon. Spot. Too soon. Look Have up you the seen NWO. Yeah. <laughs> Look but, up the NWO clowning on Arn Anderson's retirement. I mean, that but, legitimately upset Arn oh, Flair. Yeah. Um, it was a big deal. Uh, I, from from what I understand, Nash, not, they don't think they did anything wrong. Still, right, they still right. think it was you know part of the thing. Yeah, but if you go back to the actual moment with Double A, and Narge will tell anybody, Double A is my favorite wrestler of all time. I was oh. always a big fan of Arn Anderson, the Four Horsemen. Arn, just one of the best promos, oh, a yeah. legitimate tough guy in the ring. The greatest spine buster oh, yeah. of all time. I say greatest DDT of all time. I think oh, yeah. Jake. I think he I think he patented he he did he improved on Jake this night. Sounds yes. to me like somebody's gotta get some video of him, maybe his highlight reel put up on the Facebook too. Oh, I think we that. should. He he used to have a podcast as well, right? Still does. Still does. Is uh, that with the Arn the, the show with Conrad. Conrad Thompson. The podfather, Conrad Thompson. Conrad's got about Thirty-two podcast. I think he does. He's not on this one yet. We might try to get him on. I here. would love to get Conrad on. Conrad, if you're listening to this show, 
we might hit you up because we'd love to get get you on here and hear from you. Hey, your associate Bill called me from uh, Huntsville, Alabama today. So <laughs> um, ask him. Well, yep. He's got my number. Yep, yep. All right. So the last thing I got on my list here, August 26, 1999, the debut episode of ECW on TNN from the uh, Madhouse of Extreme in Queens, New York where Raven made his big return to ECW after getting his release from WCW. After he asked for it, right? He had, Eric Bischoff said, said, if you want to go, I'll give you his, your release. And Raven walked out. He said, see ya. But he came back. He teamed up with his hated rival, Tommy Dreamer, and they beat the Dudley Boys on their last night with ECW to win the ECW Tag Team Championship. The Dudley Boys. That's Bubba Ray and Devon, correct? Yes. Shout out to my son, Kyler, who thought... <laughs> Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags were the Dudley boys. Oh. I had to correct Kyler. I gave him a 3D through our dining room table last night. Uh, he hasn't woken up yet. Uh, so when he wakes up, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss how the, the Dudley boys would destroy the nasty boys. <gasps> Don't call so, DCFS. No, no. No, this is all tongue-in-cheek, people. So that is our JTR history segment. That's our, that's our four. We'll get some links up where we can. And we're going to move on to our throwback, which is our our match of our classic match of the week. Which this was uh, interesting. It's yeah. the first time I've sat and actually given a damn about wrestling for a bit, and I don't really give a damn. But yeah. I about sat and watched this with you guys yeah. while we uh, did about our pre-production. About a half hour before we started rolling, we uh, put this on for Marco. Uh, ECW Heat Wave 1998 on August 2nd. It was the tag team title match. RVD Rob Van Dam teamed with Sabu. Against Hayabusa and Jinzei Shinzaki from Japan. And on what I always thought was just a completely stacked pay-per-view. That's that's my favorite ECW pay-per-view of all time. This that, match just stole the show. We agree. Uh, that That is a fantastic pay-per-view. Again, a shout-out to a friend of mine, Nick Faber, who let me have that tape back in the day. Uh, just an awesome show. Talk about two very level teams i really think they played off each other well you had a little bit of everything you had the extreme you had the high flying you had the technical Mm -hmm. this is just a fun match to watch you want to spend 20 minutes on your lunch break we're going to throw it up on the facebook Mm -hmm. and watch this match you get your typical rvd you get your sabu uh jinsei shinzaki used to be go ahead mark hakushi hakushi who had a Memorable feud with Brett the Hitman Hart in the early 90s. 1995. Hayabusa, who led FMW, which is... Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. And there's a lot of history, a lot of... uh, There's a lot of story behind that. I would recommend, if you haven't watched, there's a show on Vice TV called Dark Side of the Ring. They've already done half of their season. The other half returns in September, and they are going to feature FMW... And I guarantee we will hear about Hayabusa. I'm pretty sure we'll hear from Cactus Jack and Terry Funk as well, because I'm pretty sure that's where their famed deathmatch happened. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is ECW diehards were familiar with FMW because there were a lot of FMW guys that would go back and forth to ECW. But for a lot of American fans that didn't watch a lot of ECW that happened to see that pay-per-view, Hayabusa was a great indicator of what you could see in FMW. And then Shinzaki was doing Michinoku Pro, and then he'd done his run with WWF. 
Was so, um, was Masato Tanaka FMW? He was or? FMW. Okay. So was Mike Awesome, for that matter. So there, I mean, and those guys talk about another match that if you uh-huh. wanted to spend some time, pull that one if, up too. If you have Peacock, go on and get ECW Heatwave 1998. There's nothing cut out of it, despite what people have always <laughs> been saying that NBC's cutting questionable content off. You will get that show in its entirety, and you got. Awesome and Tanaka, you got this tag match. Candido and Lance Storm, Taz and Bigelow. It's just not a bad match on the card. It's just so good. If NBC was cutting questionable content, they'd get rid of Friends. Just saying. <laughs> I agree with that. Hey. <laughs> so, were you guys aware that Hayabusa actually helped announce the return of FMW in 2015? And is it even still here now? I, not that I know of. I know. I think it died with him. Didn't he it? passed away. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I'd read. Is he'd passed away shortly thereafter, and that whole idea kind of uh, washed away at that point, unfortunately. Yeah. R.I.P. Hayabusa. He was such a great flyer, great talent. He had very groundbreaking. Not a lot of people did shooting star presses and 450s before him. No, he, maybe uh, Liger. He was essentially. I mean, he, him, and Sabu. Very similar mm-hmm. styles. Uh, almost, he's a little more refined than Sabu. Yeah. Almost. So, I think we've got. A, do we have time left, Mark, for those questions? I know sure. we have a little thing we sure. want to do at the end, but I'd really yes. like. We can get to these other two. I think to get these other two All questions. Right. We really appreciate. It. We got four different questions this week to our inbox. Jumping the rail pod at gmail.com. We want more. Yeah, we want more. Send oh, yeah. them out there if you Man, like we what we're saying. Um, and then we want feedback. Hey, we we're just two schlubs. Over here in Champaign, think we know what we're talking about. If you think you know more, shoot us. Come on, come Don't, don't shoot we, us. Well, don't shoot us. This is Champagne. <laughs> that email. is possible. Shoot us an email. Shoot us an email. <laughs> All right. So, next question comes from Michael Carmen, and he wants us to know he has a Facebook group called Rasslin Territories, R A S S L I N Territories. Look that up on Facebook. His question is What was the greatest feud of all time? And you can pick any territory, any year. What do you think the greatest feud of all time was, Narge? I said it earlier, and Mark was surprised. Mark, the producer, it's got to be Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Without that feud, we do not have the Attitude Era. We don't have the Rise of 316. We don't have the greatest heel authority character of all time in Vince McMahon. But that's the long and short of it. I don't even have to get into it. If you are a wrestling fan, you know Vince McMahon, Stone Cold Steve Austin, greatest feud of all time. Mark. So, first off, uh, I am actually a member of the Wrestling Territories Facebook group. Uh, Mike's a buddy of mine, so shout out to Mike. Uh, I go a little bit farther back. The McMahon-Austin one is a great one, but my personal favorite and my choice is the greatest of all time is uh, the Four Horsemen and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes because... It kind of along the same lines as Austin McMahon. It gave so many matchups that fans just ate up because you had Dusty beat Flair for the world title. He beat Tully for the national championship. Beat Double A and Tully for the TV title. They trade tag titles. They he would wrestle everybody in the group at one time or another, and they had some great moments. They broke broke his arm at the in the parking lot at Jim Crockett Promotions once. They broke his ankle in his cage. Just so much great content, and there's no, I don't think there's hardly anybody better than Dusty or the Horseman. I, it's hard to disagree. I mean, again, if you want to throw it back, Dusty, one of the best baby faces of all time. Yeah. The Horseman, 
I mean, it's the Horsemen. Oh yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this and you don't know about the Four Horsemen, <gasps> yeah, exactly. I my personal favorite, and this is just way out of left field. Thunderlips versus Rocky Balboa. <laughs> the ultimate male against the ultimate meatball. That's right. <laughs> and I know the baby face would have been Rocky because people liked him. Yeah, Rocky was the baby face. There. He was the baby, yeah. See, we're learning today. Yeah. We're learning. All right. The next question, and uh, we'll let Mark go first on this one. Bring this it. one comes from Kyle Reed. Uh, hey, Kyle. We've known Kyle for many, many years. In fact, I've known Kyle since he was in diapers, to be quite honest. Kyle's wife's going to have a huge... And he's thrilled you're saying that on the air. Oh. Kyle's wife's going to have <laughs> a huge... If y'all want more details, ask us at JTR. Kyle's wife's going to have a huge problem with the shot you took at Friends earlier, too. Uh-huh. So. Oh, she'll be all right. <laughs> Sorry, Brianna. All right. Who is one current superstar in any company that you would like to meet and why? Mark? Well, there's... Uh, I've met... Quite a few. I've met a lot of people that are in AEW presently. Uh, Kingston comes to mind, Chuck Taylor, Cabana, all these people. If I had to pick one to meet, it's not actually an in-ring talent. I would love to have the opportunity to sit down at a bar and throw back a couple Moscow Mules with the good old Jim Ross. The, uh, my opinion, the greatest wrestling announcer there ever was. Now, I just to have him. Just to pick his the brain stories. to hear the stories. I mean, if you haven't read his books yet, he's got two autobiographies that are fantastic. I can't recommend them highly enough. But just to hear just old road stories from Jim Ross would make my day. It's kind of like talking to a touring musician, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. Somebody that's got a lot of backstage knowledge. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, it'd be phenomenal. Narge? For me, I'm going to go old school as well. Um, there's one gentleman that I have not met. I've actually met Jim Ross. It was brief. He was very nice. It was WrestleMania 32. But there's one gentleman I have never had the chance to meet, and that is the king of Memphis wrestling, Jerry the King Lawler. I think Jerry Law, between what he's done with WWE, what he's done with Memphis, what he did with Andy Kaufman, he essentially introduced Hollywood and comedy. Was it and him and Kaufman had the, the David Letterman yeah, the Letterman, fight or whatever? The slap that for yeah. years yeah, I remember that. was thought to be real. Yeah. yeah. Well, until, I mean, until, until the movie came out, it right? It was sold. It was sold Kaufman. well. I mean, Kaufman... He flipped. I mean, it was great. I remember, Kaufman wanted to work with Vince Sr. He wanted to do do what he did with the WWF, but Vince said, we take it seriously here, so then he directed him to Memphis to Lawler, and they couldn't do it fast enough in Memphis. That was nah, right I think Lawler credits Kaufman all day long for some of his fame. But Now, was Lawler at that time not part of the WWF? No. Is that he, what you're he, he was the guy in Memphis, Tennessee. So he had his own promotion yeah. down there. Did he eventually join the WWF? Is that yes. how I know his name he's, so well? He joined them in 1992. Oh, okay. And he's kind of like a legends deal right now. He did He did some ring work, but essentially he's best known Jerry Lawler is best known as commentating as the sidekick Jim Ross. to Jim Ross. Yeah. So the fact that we want to meet those guys... Mm-hmm. The, they were the voices of, I think, oh, of yeah. our youth. And Jerry, just he just seems like a people person. He's got a restaurant in Memphis. He's there all the time. He invites people. Oh, yeah. he's, a, he's a Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. Shout out to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Number six, going all the way this year against the Cowboys. Um, Not likely. Dak attack. <laughs> Dak attack. <laughs> but I, right there, the only other person, and I think we both agree, there's got to be one person that I think we both agree we want to meet, uh-huh. Vince McMahon. Absolutely. He's kind of the untouchable. Oh, yeah. Vince Vince doesn't do a whole lot of meet and greets and autograph signings. That's a guy I think all professional wrestling fans would love to spend 20 minutes, even oh, yeah. five, 10 minutes with, yeah. just to say thank you. I have so you. many questions to ask yeah. me. I'm going to shoot I'd something out. I'd like to out. see his dinosaur. Oh, yeah. I'm going to shoot something out to the listeners. 
it's kind of another brown M&M if you'll allow me, Marco. If you have, have one question that you would ever want to ask Vince McMahon, send it to us. We would love to hear what you guys, if you had the opportunity, would want to ask Vince McMahon if you had one question. Keep it relatively clean. Keep it kind of clean. <laughs> be be nice. That's the thing. So, uh, not a wrestler anymore. Okay. You say not a wrestler anymore. I'm pretty sure most guys in the WWE wrestle, don't wrestle, wrestle right up to the mat there in a coffin. I mean, these guys seem to be always coming back somehow. Yeah. But to me, and I would think both of you, both of you guys would like to do this. Same thing. The three of us could do this with the guy. We should all sit on a beach somewhere and drink some tequila with this guy. I think The Rock would be a hell of a guy to meet. <laughs> He'd be awesome. Just as, a, just as a human. I mean, oh, he yeah. just seems so outside the wrestling persona himself. Yeah. He seems so alive and so gracious and so full of humor and life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I he'd be. I think he'd be an interesting character. And to I hang think out he'd with. sit there and he'd shoot the tequila, and he wouldn't rush. And I, I really right. do. I think it would be. He would, he would make time for people. It would be a personable issue. So if yeah. anybody listening knows how to get the rock, this, and he'd <laughs> like to shoot tequila with somebody that loves tequila, I'm here. Just saying, <laughs> Terramana is and, good uh, stuff. Yeah. It and is actually. It's it's actually really good. We've been. Sipping on that a bit in the last few year, about yeah. a year now. We, a year. we had a whole rock weekend. We had some yep. Terramana tequila. We went and saw Jungle Cruise, which I highly recommend if you're out and about and want a fun movie. Fun. Jungle Cruise is a fun movie. And if we're going to plug, we plug the Rocks movie, which is great. And also, just to kind of go back to Jim Ross, if you haven't heard, we're going to say the guy's name again, Conrad Thompson with Jim Ross, the Grill and JR podcast. I highly recommend it. They tell stories, they review shows. It's just a lot of fun to listen to. Listen to theirs after you listen to ours. After ours, yeah. After you're done with this one, turn it off, put on a grill and JR. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're nearing the end here. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in again this week. Check us out on Facebook, yeah. Jumping the Rail. Instagram, Jumping the Rail. Twitter, Jumping the Rail. We're everywhere. Google us, like I said last week. We're worldwide, baby. We're Check even it on Spotify now. Yeah. And uh, also on Facebook, check out the Central Illinois Pro Wrestling Club, which is our group that we uh, talk wrestling on, and uh, check it out. We'd love to have you. And uh, as we wrap up, Marco, I think you had something you wanted to uh, wanted to say. Right. So I <clears throat> wanted to close out this episode with a little remembrance. Uh, as you guys know, we record on Tuesdays. Today is Tuesday, but we release our episodes on Thursdays. This week's episode is coming out on August 26th. That's seven years to the day when I and the guys lost a very good friend, Joshua Catfish Gullion. Known by many primarily as a D&D Gaming World writer-editor, he was also a huge WWF slash WWE fan. He can go round for round with Narge and Mark here with his knowledge of the promotions, the players, the belts, all of it. When we first met, he used to come over every Sunday to watch with my middle son, AJ, and they bonded heavily. His fandom for the sport was as enthusiastic as anyone I have ever known. Tonight, I want to end on 10 bells for Josh.